All right. Well, good morning, everyone. I missed you last weekend. I was in Wisconsin doing a wedding. And speaking of Wisconsin, did you see the Wisconsin Badgers yesterday? <laughs> what? Wow. I feel the love right here. Come on. Part of embracing me. Oh, well, anyway. It was a fun game in Wisconsin won. It was, it was, yeah, thank you. A little bit better. Anyway, I heard um, Pastor Ken was with you last week, and he is Pastor Ross's dad and been in ministry for a long time, and so I've heard you, that he uh, shared a lot of stories last week, and so it's great that you were able to be a part of that. He's a wonderful, wonderful man, and just part of our heritage is one chapel. Well, we're in the series that we're calling Frequency. We started it several weeks ago. And we've been talking about that when it comes to hearing the voice of God, we need to get ourselves into a position to actually be able to hear his voice. Because the reality is God is speaking, don't you know? He is speaking. There's things that he wants to lead us in and things that he wants to teach us and show us. The only question is whether or not we're tuned into the right frequency. That's what we've been talking about throughout this series. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so one of the chief characteristics of being a son or a daughter of God is that you are being led by the Spirit of God. This isn't something that's just left for a few extraordinary or elite people who some way, somehow have a deeper relationship with God. No, if you're a son or a daughter of God, then it is your birthright as a child of God to be led by the Spirit of God. And if you're not hearing the voice of God, if you're not being led by the Spirit of God, then there's something wrong. And I think one of the greatest reasons why people tend to miss what God is doing, we just don't understand the practical ways that he leads us and he speaks to us. Yes, God can give you a dream. Yes, God can give you a vision. Yes, God can speak in these big booming voice that shatters the windows. Yes, God can speak by writing things on the wall. He can even use a donkey to speak through to get your attention. These are all ways that God spoke to people in the Bible. And so, yes, he can do those things, but it's important for you to know that those are going to be the extraordinary ways. Those are going to be the exception and not the rule. And so we've been looking at some of the more common ways that God speaks to us and he leads us. And the first one we talked about a couple weeks ago is through the inward witness. In Romans 8, verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We talked about this two weeks ago. And if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, I'd encourage you to go online and listen to the message. Because of all the ways that God speaks to us and he leads us, this is probably the most common way that he will speak to you and lead you and give you direction in your life. And so I would encourage you, if you missed this one, go back and look at that and listen to that message. Because the important thing to always remember about the inward witness is that it's a response. It's a response to something. You have this peace that just settles your heart, or you have this troubling in your spirit um, and, and something that you're trying to do, but it's a response to an action that you're, you're stepping into, a response to a plan, a response to an idea, a response to an option that you're moving forward on. In other words, you take a step, and then the Holy Spirit witnesses for, yes, keep going in that direction, or he witnesses against. Don't go in that direction. Stop right where you are. That's the inward witness. That's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. But another way that God leads us and speaks to us is through the inner voice. And that's what we're going to talk about here this morning, the inner voice. Look at this in 1 Kings chapter 19. 
verse 11. If you don't have your Bible, you can also follow along on the screens here. 1, Corinthians, 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 11. It says, Then God told Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind it tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after a fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? The still, small voice. That's what the inner voice is all about. It's not something that's heard with your physical ears. It's not these earthquake-shattering rumbles that you might hear. It's not the wind. It's not the fire, like in this example. So it's not heard with your physical ears. The inner voice is heard within your spirit, this inside of you, the part of you that's connected with God, the part of you that's created in the image of God, the part of you that's, that's created to live for all eternity. That's the still, small voice. And how God speaks to us in the still small voice or this inner voice is really actually very similar to how God speak to us, speaks to us in an audible voice. And so what I want to show you here this morning from Scripture is an example of where God spoke in an audible voice and in an inner voice because our response to hearing an inner voice of God or hearing the, the audible voice of God is very similar e either way. There's important ways that we need to respond when you think that you're hearing the voice of God. Look at this example in Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 1. It says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God, with all his household, who gave alms generously to the, to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea, and he will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. And so here we have a Roman centurion who lived some miles north of the city of Joppa, but he's a Gentile. In other words, he's not Jewish. But he's been around, he's lived around the Jewish people for a long time, and he's come to believe in the God of Israel. He knows that the God of Israel is the one true God, but he doesn't know anything about Jesus. He doesn't know anything about who Jesus is. He doesn't know, have any idea what salvation is or what it means to be born again. He has a heart for the things of God. He has a heart for spiritual things. He just doesn't know how it all works. And so this angel appears to him and tells him about this man that can help him, that can show him how to do all of this. And so the Roman centurion sends three of his servants to go where the angel had directed him. Verse 9. It says, the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened in an object like a great sheep bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. 
In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. And so here's Peter, just minding his own business, relaxing on top of this deck, when all of a sudden he has this vision. And in this vision, he sees lowered from heaven the sheet filled with all of these different animals. And some of them were kosher. In other words, these were animals, according to Jewish law and Jewish tradition, that these were animals that the Jewish people could eat. But in addition, there were all these animals that were non-kosher. In other words, these were animals that were forbidden by Jewish law for them to eat. And then he hears this voice that says, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. And look at how Peter responds to this, verse 14. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven. So Peter recognizes this voice as to be the voice of God, because he declares, not so, Lord. And so what, what's happening here is that Peter, he's hearing the audible voice of God. But what I want to show you here this morning, I want to show you what it means to hear and to respond, whether it's the inner voice of God or the audible voice of God. Because number one, there may not be a lot of details. When God speaks to you, either in an audible voice or an inner voice, there may not be a lot of details. Look at Peter's example. Verse 13 says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And verse 15, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now, you see this? There's not much there. There's not much to work on. There's not much to grab a hold of. What is God talking about? What is he actually saying here? It's more like pieces to a puzzle that God gives us when he speaks in this inner voice or this audible voice. Peter's mistake was that he jumped to the conclusion and tried to understand it just based upon face value. In other words, he was thinking that God was addressing the things that he was supposed to eat or not to eat. But that wasn't at all what God was dealing with. God wasn't addressing Peter's diet here. There was a much bigger issue that God was trying to address with Peter. See, a lot of times when you hear the inner voice of God or the audible voice of God, it's these puzzle pieces that God puts into your lap, and he's revealing something to you, which means you may not always have a lot to deal with at that point. There may not be a lot for you to, to handle or to work or to try to figure out when God speaks to you in this sort of way. But there is a reason why he's speaking this to you, which means God expects you to honor it and to work with it when you hear him speak, but not necessarily be quick to jump on it and be quick and hasty in making decisions and conclusions about it. When Courtney and I, we, many of you know that we were led a, a church up in Wisconsin for um, 14 years. That's why I was trying to get your excitement about the Badgers winning yesterday. But when we first came there about, um, in our first couple of years, um, the church had gone through a lot of difficulty, and, and we'd taken over the church, and we're trying to lead the church through that process. And, and uh, the, the church building was interesting. It was on the edge of town, on the east side of town, where most people just completely were oblivious that the church even existed. And part of it was, was the church was built so that it didn't look like a church. Unfortunately, when people try to do that, they try to make something that's so modern that it then becomes very old very quickly. You know what I'm talking about? And so it was built in 1990, and they tried to make it very modern-looking, but it ended up just looking weird because everybody referred to this church, if they knew what the church was, they referred to it as the Pizza Hut Church. 
because the church was built with that in these, these lines that went up like this. When it first was built, it had even uh, the, the, the frame lines of the roof lines where all had these neon colored lights that went up the frame and went up to the top and put this beam of light that went straight up into the air. And so it really looked like the old school Pizza Hut buildings. But the church as a whole just was not known. It was not really aware of in terms of the city. It wasn't making much of an impact in the city. And so the first couple of years as we were trying to move through the process of taking over this church, one of the things that I was uh, praying about was, God, how can we become more part of the community? How can we influence our community and be more effectual in our community? And so one of these mornings, I was praying with several men in, in a sanctuary like this, and we were just praying about this and a whole bunch of other things. And I heard God say these three words, establish a beachhead. Now, I don't know how that strikes you, but I was not thinking World War II anything when I heard those words. For me, when I think beachhead, I'm thinking Normandy. That's where my mind eventually goes to is right there. I'm thinking, what in the world? Establish a beachhead. There wasn't much detail there. There wasn't much of anything for me to work with. I couldn't run with that and do any sort of thing. But over the next couple weeks, God began to put other pieces in place that began to make sense. We started looking at a building downtown um, right there on Main Street that became available. And we started asking, I wonder if we could rent this building and use it as a youth outreach, a thing that we opened up after school. And Thursday was a big drinking night, and, and all these bars were around. It was a university town. It was called Thirst, Thirsty Thursday. Everybody would come and drink and, and party on Thursday night. And so this building was right downtown, just right surrounded by all of these bars. And, and so through additional puzzle pieces that God put in place, we ended up renting this building completely, uh, uh, refurbished it and remodeled it and opened it up as an after-school place for youth to come and a place for university students to come. We launched really our Spanish-speaking ministry at that point, and everything just grew from that moment on. We entered the, the city, we became known throughout the community, and it did establish a beachhead. When, we get, when God spoke those words in my heart, I didn't have a clue what that was. But that's exactly what ended up happening. When we went and said yes to that facility and began to do that, it created a beachhead within the community that then grew. The church began to have influence then in the community. And that's what I want you to see. When God speaks to you in an inner voice, you don't always have a lot of details that come to it. There's a lot of times it's just little small little little. Uh, little Pieces to the puzzle that God will drop there in your lap. And number two, when you hear the audible voice of God or the inner voice of God, it's something that God expects you to judge. God actually expects for you to judge these voices. Look at how Peter does this. When the voice says, rise, Peter, kill and eat, immediately Peter says in verse 14, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. In other words, uh-uh, I'm not going to do that. I know what the Word of God says, and the Word of God says you cannot eat these foods. And according, in Jewish culture, the Word of God was the law. And the law strictly forbid any type of eating of these non-kosher animals. And so um, Peter judges this voice, even though he thinks it's God, he judges it and says, uh, I can't do that. The Word of God says this. Well, I wish more Christians would do this today. I wish more of us would judge these leadings that we think that we're getting from the Holy Spirit by the word 
of God. See, just because you feel like you're hearing something from the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that you abandon the Word of God altogether. It doesn't mean, it doesn't, you, don't, you don't exert the, what you think you're hearing in these leadings by the Holy Spirit. You don't put that above what God's Word is. You need to always go back and judge that leading based upon what the Word of God says. And so this voice that was leading Peter, what was it trying to get Peter to do? Remember, it had nothing to do with Peter's diet. That was Peter's mistake there. What the voice was trying to get Peter to do was to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, those who were non-Jewish. Now, does that agree with the word of God? Absolutely, it does. Jesus himself had said in Mark 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Peter was there, right there in the flesh, when Jesus spoke those words. Peter heard Jesus say those words. But what Peter heard was, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every Jew. That's what Peter heard. And so that's what he was doing. He was going to these distant cities, and he would go into the synagogues, and he would preach to the Jewish congregations there. But he would never go and preach to the Gentiles at that time. Nobody even dawned, nobody even believed that the Gentiles could be saved. But Jesus, even in, in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus had also said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That word nations in the original Greek language is the word ethnos, which means ethnic groups. And so Jesus was specifically saying, go therefore and make disciples of all ethnic groups. So that should have given them a clue that this gospel could go to every person, every creature, not just Jewish, but every color, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every person that this gospel could go to. But Peter, his prejudices and his biases were so much against the Gentiles, listen to me, he was so prejudiced and so biased against the Gentiles that all he heard was go into all the world and preach the gospel just to the Jewish people. Make disciples just of the Jews in there. His conclusion was wrong. His conclusion was actually against what the word of God says. See, when you hear this inner voice, when you hear these promptings from the Holy Spirit, it has to agree 100% with the word of God. And if it doesn't, folks, throw it out. Because it's not God. What you think is the leading, it has to agree 100% with the word of God. And if it doesn't, throw it out. Always remember, there's always different voices out there that are vying for your attention. And so if you think this is God, but yet it, it's contrary to, word, to the word of God, then you've picked up on a different voice. It wasn't God's voice. The written word of God will always take precedent on any sort of leading that you think the Holy Spirit is giving you. And the reason for that is because we as human beings, oh boy, do we make mistakes, don't we? We as human beings, we easily can misinterpret what God is saying. We can easily jump to conclusions and skew what it is that God is saying and makes, make our false conclusions about what we're supposed to do. Or, or we have these biases or these prejudices that taint what it is that God had intended. They can color what it is that God has said. I want you to think about it this way. So up here I have a little beaker full of water. And I want you to notice that it's, it's, it's pretty crystal clear water. There aren't any impurities. There aren't anything in there that would discolor it or, or to make it look differently. It's, it's just clear. And this represents, if you would, just the Spirit of God in our lives. 
So there isn't anything wrong. There isn't any misconceptions. There isn't any distortions or, or anything like that. It's pure. And so what God does is that he speaks to us. And so this little pipe here represents really kind of our lives. And what the Holy Spirit does is that he'll, he'll pull, push into us just the word of God. And so he gives us a word, and then through that word out comes what it is that we think the Holy Spirit is saying. And so depending upon what's inside of us is, determines then what comes out. And so I want you to notice here that whatever is inside your heart, whatever is inside of your head, begins to eventually color what it is that you think the Holy Spirit is saying. And it doesn't have to be extraordinarily different, but just a little bit of color, a little bit of, of a, a different impression or a different understanding of what's going on in your heart will eventually change what was intended. You see, you see what I'm saying? What's in your heart and what's in your mind changes the original intent. And so because of that, we're not judging the Holy Spirit. We're judging what we have concluded or what we think it is that the Holy Spirit is saying. Does that make sense? We have to be able to do that because our hearts and our minds can have these preconceived ideas and these biases that can add coloring to what it is that the Holy Spirit has said. And here's number three. God doesn't speak very often through an audible voice or an inner voice. <laughs> I put this in as a point because even though it is true, God will lead you through the inner voice. The reality is when you look at Scripture, he didn't speak a lot of time. He didn't lead people a lot of time through the inner voice or the audible voice. And the reason why I'm making this point is because too often you'll hear people say, well, God said this, and God said this, and God told me this, and they use the God card all the time, and they tout, they, they tout that God is speaking to them every single day, telling them what clothes that they need to wear every day, and what food they need to eat every day, and what conversations they need to have every day. Now, can God speak those things to you? Absolutely. Can, will God share those things and input those things into you? Absolutely. I, I know from personal experience, every one of those things, yes, God has told me on certain, certain days, wear this. But you know what? It was for a reason. Because I was to be in a certain place at a certain time, and somebody was looking for a certain color shirt, and I was that one with that certain color shirt. So there are times that God will speak to you about what to wear. And there's times that God will speak to you about what to eat and not to eat. And there's times that God will speak to you about having conversations. But you need to understand those are not normal, everyday type of situations. These are things that God's doing to get you for that very specific situation for a very specific reason. And I say this just because you just need to be careful. You need to be careful when you start hearing people say that God speaks to them all the time because unfortunately there's a lot of voices out there that people can be tapping into. I also want to think it this way. Because how many of you still have parents that are telling you what you're to wear every day? Any of you? Any of you out there where your mom or your dad, if they're still alive, are calling and telling you what you're supposed to wear today? Or how many of you still have parents that are telling you what you need to eat for every meal? I mean, okay, so some of you might, but um, you, you see what I'm saying? When we are young, when we're little, our parents direct every part of our steps because we don't know how to do it ourselves. But as we grow and as we mature, 
then he, we, they've already deposited in us so much that, that you now know what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. That's how God's word is supposed to be for us. And so just be careful. Just be careful because there's a lot of voices out there, which brings me to my point number four, and that is when God speaks through an audible voice or an inner voice, it's done to arrest your attention. When he speaks this way, it's done to arrest your attention. And when you look at Peter's example, boy, did this get Peter's attention. And the reality was that Peter's prejudices were so strong, his biases were so against the Gentiles, that God needed to address that in his own heart. Peter was blind to his prejudices. He was blind to his biases. And so the word of God, by God speaking that way, it arrested his attention. Several years ago, one of the things that I have kind of liked to do most of my life is I like to um, look at different houses. I love being able to, whether it's in a magazine, look at houses and the architecture and the design and the structure of homes and the landscaping of homes. Uh, um, I, I have the Zillow app on my, my phone and see all the different houses that are for sale. I, I love the whole, that whole part of just looking at homes. When I drive, that's what I see. I see homes, and I see just how people have decorated their things. And, and so I've just kind of always done that. Well, several years ago, um, there was this house that was kind of on the way to, to the church and this up in Wisconsin. And, and I would pass by this house, and I found myself really being enamored by this house. I just thought, this is, this is a fantastic house. I love how it was designed. I love, it was cre- I love, I love the lot that it's on. I, I love all the landscaping and just the location of it. And every time that I would drive by it, I would have those kind of conversations in my head. And, and uh, pretty soon I began to kind of imagine myself um, having that as my, my own house. And one day as I was driving, I was doing that. And very strongly, I heard the Spirit of God say, stop it. It was just those two words, stop it. And it was, it was so strong that it felt like it reverberated my entire being. It wasn't an audible voice, but boy, it sure felt like it could be. And I, just, I felt the Spirit of God just say, stop it. And right there with those two words, it, all of a sudden it opened up what I, what I was doing. Because it turned from just this you know, kind of fun type of thing to where I was coveting. I was coveting somebody else's house. And I didn't even realize I was doing it. And so the Spirit of God spoke that, stop it, to arrest my attention because I had become blind to it. I was becoming ungrateful for what I had, and I wanted what somebody else has. And so a lot of times that's what the Spirit of God will do. He'll speak to you those things to arrest your attention. And here's the fifth thing. When God speaks through an audible voice or an inner voice, it's going to work in tandem with other leadings. It's going to work in tandem with other leadings. Look at the end of the story we hear with Peter. Acts 10. Verse 17 says, Now while Peter pondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Now remember, Peter's first experience was a vision, right? That's what he sees first. His second experience is that he heard the audible voice of God. Now here, the third time, he's hearing the inner voice of God. If you go back and look at the original language, you'll see God was speaking to him in different ways. So he sees a vision, he hears the audible voice of God, and now he's 
Now he's hearing the inner voice of God. And every time, some, another puzzle piece was added into this mix. For Peter, one wasn't enough. His prejudices and his biases were so strong that it was leading him to a false conclusion. But each one of these added another dimension here. So finally, after seeing a vision, hearing an audible voice, hearing an inner voice, now Peter had all these different puzzle pieces that he could put together, and now he had something concrete to do. Because now he could go downstairs and see if there were three men there. And if there were three men there, then he knows, I've heard from God. God has been speaking to me all along. See, when you hear the audible voice of God, when you hear the inner voice of God, you need to judge it. And what I want you to see here is that a lot of times you just don't have a lot to do. Sometimes you just need to file it away because there's things that God will drop in your heart as he speaks something to you and it's just a piece of the puzzle, but there's nothing else to connect it yet with. And so sometimes you just need to file it away. You know, I think of Mary. And Mary pondered these things in her heart. Sometimes that's what you just need to do. Don't be rash. Don't be quick and hasty to try to make a decision or do something with it. Because sometimes God will speak something to you in advance. He'll show you things that are still to come. And so it doesn't make sense yet for you. And so sometimes you just need to file it away. Other times, though, you may need to go out and check it out. You need to take a step here. In which case, just don't be hasty about it. Because this is where a lot of people, I think, make huge mistakes and get into trouble is because they start acting on these voices that they are hearing. They start following these different voices and they abandon wisdom. They abandon the word of God. They abandon the advice of their friends. and They, they abandon godly counsel. They abandon everything to start following after these voices. And if you do that, that's when you start getting in trouble. That's when you start making huge mistakes. And so when you're seeking God, here are a couple of rules of thumb that you need to keep in mind. Number one, don't seek to hear voices. <laughs> don't seek to hear voices. That shouldn't be your conclusion. Don't seek to hear voices. Don't ask for voices. Don't listen for voices. <laughs> Remember, there's all these different voices out there that are vying for your attention. If you start seeking after voices, you will hear a voice, but it probably won't be the voice of God. So that shouldn't be your genuine. I don't want you to leave here this morning thinking, okay, I just need to seek hearing the voice of God. I just need to seek him. I need to listen to what he is saying. Yes, do that, but don't seek for voices. When you look at Scripture, the people in the Bible who heard an audible voice of God or the inner voice of God weren't looking for those voices. They weren't seeking those voices. They were doing something else. And I know from my own experience that that's exactly how it works. See, the reality is God will speak to you in an audible voice or an inner voice, but it's not because you are seeking it. It's not because you can make it happen. I've learned that God will definitely he speaks to me this way, but there's nothing I can do to make it happen. More times than not, when God speaks, it comes out of the blue. You're searching, you're seeking other things, and then God inputs into this situation, which then brings me to the second rule of thumb, and that is when you're seeking God's direction, do it according to his plan then. Do it according to his plan. And the Bible tells us there are two practical things that we are to seek. Don't seek voices, but you are to seek. The first thing, seek wisdom. In all the direction, in all your dealings, seek wisdom first. James 1 verse 5 says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. See what God's saying? 
and searching and you're trying to find direction, the very first thing you need to search and seek for wisdom. Because why? Wisdom is insight into the mind and the plans of God. How many need to know the mind and plans of God for what's going on in your life? That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is the ability then to apply knowledge evenly and wisely. And so when you seek wisdom, not only will you then understand what you're supposed to do, but you'll also understand why you're to do it. That's what wisdom is. Solomon said in Proverbs 4, verse 7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. So that's what we're supposed to seek. And the second thing that we're supposed to seek is peace. Seek peace. And Hebrews 12, verse 14 says, pursue peace with all people. Most of the time people look at this verse and they think, well, I just need to get along with everybody. That is true. But also this means is that in all your dealings with people, you should be able to leave that situation and there should be peace. So if I'm going to the car lot to buy a car and I'm working with somebody putting together this deal for, to buy this car, and if I do not have peace with this deal that's being presented to me, I need to walk away and not buy that car. In all my dealings with people, there should be peace. Seek wisdom, seek peace, because this is one of the ways that God is going to lead us. And so as I'm praying for wisdom, as I'm following peace, as I'm taking these steps of faith, as I'm listening for that inward witness as a response to a step that I'm taking, if then God speaks to you and is an inner voice, then all of these leadings should be taking you in the same direction. All of these are pieces to the puzzle that God will work together. They're all leading you in the same direction. Listen, folks, God wants to lead you. God wants to speak to you, and he is already doing those things. The question always is, are we putting ourselves in a position to? And I don't know about you, but I have to get myself into a literal position. Because I tend, I'm a D personality, and I tend to drive and move fa fast pace, and I need to slow down. I need to, I need to bring God into the picture of what's going on. And I need to sell, uh, settle my anxious thoughts. And, my, and I realize that so many of my, my thoughts are biased and prejudiced even though I may not realize it, I realize I can taint what it is that God's trying to speak to us. And so God is speaking to you. The question is not, is not whether he is. The question is whether you're listening. We're going to take communion here in just a little bit, but I want you to just close your eyes, if you would, please. Because maybe as we've been talking here this morning, maybe you're realizing that God has been speaking to you, but You've not been willing to take that step. Maybe God has been speaking to you about something, but you've been being disobedient. If you're wanting to hear from God, then you need to ask him if there's something that he's already told you, but you've not been obedient to what he has already told you to do. I think so many times we stop hearing the voice of God because We've stopped doing what he's already told you to do. Let me just say that again. So many times we stop hearing from God because we've stopped doing what he's already told you to do. And so right there where you are, just ask God because he wants to show you. The Holy Spirit is there to remind us. And so just ask him. Is there someone that God has been telling you to go and talk to? that you've not been faithful with. 
Is there a step of faith that God has been asking you to take and you've just not been willing to do it? Is there something that God's been telling you to stop doing that you've just been putting your fingers in your ears because you don't want to hear it? Just ask God right here, right now. Whatever's going on, and just make a decision right now to be obedient to the things God speaks to you. In Philippians chapter 2, it says that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Think about that. Jesus had to humble himself to be obedient. Jesus was willing to do what God told him to do, no matter the cost. Are you? Are you willing to be willing? And are you willing to be willing even where you're realizing you haven't been willing in the past? The rest of Philippians chapter 2 goes on to say, because Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, I pray for every one of us here right now. God, I'm so grateful that you don't just leave us out here by ourselves, that you so desperately want to be involved in every aspect of our lives you want to direct our steps, that you want to speak into those situations. And so, Father, I pray for everyone here, God, that we would put ourselves in a position right here and right now. And Father, if there's anything where any of us have been resistant to follow through on something that we've known you said, if we've been disobedient to any of these things, God, I pray that we would just resolve it right here and right now. That, God, we would be willing just to do what you've told us to do, to humble ourselves, even to the point of losing it all, just as Jesus did. So Father, I pray for that courage, I pray for that boldness for each person here, so that God, we would walk by faith and not just by sight. The Bible describes for us that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let this sink into you here this morning. Jesus was willing to give his life. If you know the whole story, he wrestled with God in the Garden of Gethsemane. If there's any way, God, I don't have to do this. But yet he finally resolved, God, not my will, but your will be done. And then after the supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. For the forgiveness of your sins, do this in remembrance of me. Here at One Chapel, we celebrate open communion, which means this. You don't have to be a member here at One Chapel to celebrate communion. This is a table that Jesus, he has established for us. And I say this all the time, but I think it's important that I say it all the time, that this is a table where a question is being asked, where Jesus says, I've given you my life, will you now give me your life? 
And so when we take communion, we're answering that question and saying, yes, Jesus, thank you for giving your life. And I am willing to give my life for you. If you've never made that decision before this, you can do that right here and right now. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've never done that, you can do that right here and right now so that when you take communion, you can say, yes, Jesus, I give you my life. There are two stations in front of these two sections here. 